Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Sean Crampton, the co-writer and star of the new film The Stalking Fields. In the film, a group of civilians run for their freedom when they find themselves caught in the middle of a black ops program designed to cure PTSD. The film is currently available on VOD. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Hey, hey Sean. Good, good. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you. I read some of your writing. Nice work. Man. Well, thank you. Thank you for checking it out. And you, and you still decided to do this. That's, uh, that's <laughs> on you, man. <laughs> right. Where are you at in the country? I'm in Tucson, Arizona. How about yourself? Uh, Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I love Arizona. I love it. Nice, you, have, have you been out here before then uh, to Tucson yeah. specifically? Or? Yeah, I have a few um, actor friends from Arizona. My girlfriend loves Arizona. And I played rugby against Arizona in college. Oh, really? Where did you go to school? UC Santa Barbara. Sense. Okay, perfect. Very cool, yeah. man. So do you still play at all? or? You know... Not really. It was, it was like, I'm a pretty committed guy. So when I'm in or something, I'm like all in. And I don't know if you could have an acting career and a rugby career. <laughs> no, probably not. And I, th- I think you chose the, uh, the right way to go with it. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you about the, um, the project though, with the stalking fields. So I'm wondering, this is a, the type of film that can often go too heavy one way or the other where I feel yeah. like it it either leans too heavily into the thriller side of things. And so you lose sight of the more of uh, the apparent message at hand, or you can lean too heavy into the message side of things and you make a film that's not entertaining. And you actually have a film that I think gets its message across message across and manages to remain entertaining at the same time, um, which is no small feat, man. Wow. Chris, what a compliment because that was um, exactly my intention. You know, Jordan and I, who, you know, we started on this project. I found an old script the other day, 2015. Oh, my God. Yeah. But um, I don't know what Karen told you, but um, my dad was a 30-year Navy SEAL. Oh, wow. Oh, so, and he, um, I know it's going to, the timeline's going to jump a bit, but he ended up taking his own life this year from PTSD. Jesus, man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I have like, I'm doing it the right way. Tons of support, tons of counseling, like I'm feeling it, I'm putting it in my work, but what we noticed, my whole family noticed this Christmas break, all of my writing is PTSD derivative, all of it, the last 12 years. So this movie, I started writing in 2015. We wrapped photography on it in 21. Then my dad, you know, a year later, and he was a resource, you know, like my character's name's Marcus. His name is Mark. Um, And over the years, you know, I basically grew up around Spartans and like, you know, being in the Navy SEALs, that's how they were, you know, like even before they became popular around town, you were still like, holy shit. And my dad was like a revered SEAL. And so what, what I noticed 
is that when I would talk to him about PTSD, he's like, Hollywood doesn't really get it right. Yeah. Um, you know, he did say Saving Private Ryan was the most accurate depiction of war he had ever seen. But then after that, he honestly stopped watching movies like that. And I didn't really like put the obvious pieces together until it was, you know, in reflection. But what he said was when he saw PTSD in the SEAL community, it was like uh, behavioral avoidance. So you get into a car accident, you don't drive anymore. So if you're a warrior, you fight, you don't fight anymore. And Jordan and I were just like, that doesn't sound like something the military would take lightly to right. lose their hand that isn't physical. So that's kind of how this whole um, project came to be. And uh, yeah, it's been a long ride, but we're landing the plane. <laughs> Our idea of that, of avoidance being a tactic that we all use, whether it's post-traumatic or not, you know, the grieving you were saying you're in that, you're feeling that, you're moving through those. It's not through just saying, okay, that's something I never do again. Now, there's certain things you can look at and say, okay, that was a really bad idea. I'll never do that again. But you still need to own part of you as a as a piece of who you are today. You know, And if you avoid the, you have this thing in the back of your mind. And that's just, obviously, it can just be so possible to get through. And I think that that's this beyond um post-traumatic that you do have a theme here and a meaning and a story here that i think people who haven't even message of this film oh well thank you you're breaking up a little bit in that last oh, sorry. sorry no i i'm just saying that this is something that myself somebody who doesn't come from a military family um that even i'm able to take something away from this film because of the idea of avoidance not being the way to handle things when you handle pain through avoidance you're going to end up in a, a situation that will vary for everybody but it's a not a healthy um or positive way to move on with your life and yeah. so yeah i think and I, th I think that that it shows every frame of this film i can feel a lack of sin I don't feel like there's it's never exploitative um, where it's like the grief porn or something like that. Or it's never it just it you got it right. So I I'm really uh, enjoyed this one. Wanted to we wanted to earn every bullet and every tear. Yeah. And you couldn't have said it better at the top. Like we wanted to Trojan horse because Hollywood, you know, they're doing their best, but that's not what it was about. And I'm a firm believer we all carry PTSD. It's just galvanized a term by the military. So we tried to show everybody's PTSD, like the captives as well. They're yeah. they're acting out their PTSD as well. We just don't dive as deep because of time allowance and all that. But and we made it for ninety five thousand dollars, dude. It does not look like that. It, so, no, th th this movie. Like I, I had a feeling you were punching above your weight class with this one with the way the film looked. but no Thanks. this this is a very polished looking film i never would i've i i've talked to people i won't name lost 10 times that this year <laughs> and they don't look one tenth as good as this does oh, so. thank you man you know it's been such an interesting process like especially dealing with pr and just like the business and i i like business so i'm not afraid of it um 
But I bring this up. I'm like, dude, we shot principal photography for 95,000. And they're like, eh. And I'm like, man, they must be just so jaded on what they see. Yeah. Because I'm not saying it's the best thing ever, but I think I, I know I'm really proud of what we accomplished and the family we also created on set. Cause as a filmmaker, you know, I've made three movies since. And what I've realized is we spend more time making the film than we do celebrating it. So I should actually turn my focus to treating my artists with love, respect, and trust that they're contributing in a way that's going to make the project better. And since I've done that, man, like life's so good because you're already, everybody's trying their hardest on the worst movie you've ever seen. Somebody was there fucking focus pulling. Right. So like absolutely you your job, you don't have to beat that down. And that was a lesson that started on stocking fields. Cause it was a rough shoot. We were in Tahoe in a blizzard for 95 fucking grand. Uh, so that was a good lesson to pull out of that. And, you know, I've been running every aspect of it, not by myself, but basically like point person everywhere from post to this stuff. Um, so it's been a phenomenal education, but I'm also like seven years ready to put it down for a beat. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. But it's, I, I think you, you bring up something that's really important to, to consider with that, with the, you're able to do something at this level because everybody that was there was dedicated to it. They were clearly involved. This was a passion project for everybody involved with this. And I think you feel that in it where if you can, I, I swear you can feel when there's cynicism on a set, when there are people like, well, I think we're just going to make a horror movie because people seem to buy them. So let's just make a horror movie. Now, granted, there might be somebody there that is completely invested in it and it could be your focus puller. It could be your DP. It could be your editor, somebody that's trying to rise the material above. But you know, when you have everybody there trying to do it, you can absolutely. Yeah. I took, I took the time. I interviewed almost everybody on set. So everybody was already like briefed on the way I, Jordan and I were going to do things, Brooke and Tori, Rudy, the other producers. So I, I, we had a few surprises and I, but that's every movie, man. Like once you that, it's so much easier just to kind of, I mean, my God, we had a blizzard, bro. In the junkyard scene, we're shooting one way. We have to pick up the rest of the day, uh, like three days later, because we're losing light. It blizzards. So, you know, we have the coverage set where no snow and the huge wide. And so what Nick and the GE crew, they decide to go out there while we find an alt location and they like uh, hair dry and like outside the frame, like basically the frames naked of snow and they outside of it's a blizzard. And like, that's the kind of stuff we're pulling off. It was just that's really, incredible. really incredible, man. And, I, I wouldn't do it any other way. My my hiring tactics have only gotten stronger. I took risks. I basically hired three indie directors in different positions because I knew they knew what it takes to get something to the finish line. If they, they could put their ego aside, because this is another lesson I learned in indie directors, is they're so used to no one telling them anything that they don't like to be told anything. So I learned that one the hard way, but it worked. You know, it worked. We're still here. We're still alive. So uh, I feel good about it, man. Can you talk a little bit about the the way that you introduce what this film is? 
because it's not immediately apparent the movie that you're watching when you first watch this it feels like it could be a riff on most dangerous game where mm-hmm. it's kind of that way that they're handling something it's like oh okay this was a film about you know soldiers dealing with you know post-traumatic stress where they're dealing with this by actually hunting people is that the kind of seeing and how does that play out and it feels like it's going to be a much different film that it actually ends up being and i i don't i almost feel bad for even saying that much about it because one of the nice <laughs> things about going into this was just having the reveal of what this film truly is and it has far depth than i think would be readily apparent that you could watch the first 15 minutes of this movie and not know what you were going to get in the end oh wow what a compliment man thank you well, I think it has a few functions. I think one, we started like our first, my first draft was called The Hunt. And it was just like, no military, you know? And I was just learning to write, you know, it's 2014, 15. So I'm just like, fight. Like I was at that point in my writing um, where I was just, if I can finish it, that's a good job. Yeah. Right. And so I'm so thankful. And then, Jordan and I would just go back and forth. And the reason I loved working with Jordan so much, Jordan wisely, uh, he didn't know anything about writing. He was an actor from New York to just moved to LA, but I could just tell I was like hard worker. You're going to show up every day. And he did. And so the reason I bring that up is because it took about two or three years to find all of this. So you're looking at lots of layering of old storylines, just kind of interweaving different drafts. I mean, which is pretty common, obviously, but we found the military thing late, believe it or not. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was just a hard hunt. And it was too rich guy, poor guy, because, okay. you know, hard target, dangerous game, which you just mentioned, which we love those films, but we're not trying to steal them either. Sure. So what I've found for me is if I give something a respite, an idea will strike. And we just happened to naturally put it down like, this is the best we can do. And for like a year, we didn't touch it. And then we were on a fortuitous hike with somebody here in LA. And they're like, what you working on? And we're like, oh, this. And they're like, send it over. My boyfriend works at Paramount. And we're like, holy shit. Because he and I knew the score that it was totally broken open and needs heavy work. But what it did is it reignited us. and. We had that growth because we are not idle. That would be the other layer to this is I was obsessive at acting school. Like my true love is acting and I'm a very sensitive guy and I love to go for it. So I'm never like superficial films don't do it for for me either. And neither do unrelenting somber films. So it's like I need I've always loved the idea of genre blending. And obviously it's really taken off, but that's kind of where we were. Like our DP, he's a horror guy, like Nick Acosta. That's how I met him at a film festival. He did this horror short that made the whole audience screech like primal. And he did it for free. He's just ingenious in his creation. So yeah, it was just a lot of layers uh, mixed in. I think the first act probably changed the least too. So that's probably why it feels like more of a, I wanted the feeling of like a bowstring, just like maybe even a little too long. Cause once it hits the second act, I feel like it sort of flies <laughs> it off. Yeah. That's interesting. No, that, that makes sense. I don't think you, 
it doesn't feel like disparate pieces um, that were unrelated to each other that you just kind of, it doesn't feel like a collage, but that does make sense that it, to somebody like me that was able to get my head around and actually really relate to this film in a way that I wouldn't have expected solely written as that military perspective right from the jump, which I think that the entry point to this, but then I think about scenes in here is the way that you handle a a moment where somebody's having a flashback. And I felt the way that you did that was so much more honest than I normally see um, Mm. where it was acted beautifully and the, no, just move away from me. That's it. Can't be near me. Go, 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 go. Just shutting everything down or around them. And, I felt very honest to me in a way that I've never seen like that. Uh, so I was very impressed. It's it's weird to say this. I don't think I've ever told anybody, but when I watch scenes I've acted in, whatever emotion I was carrying in that moment hits me right away. So like every time I watch that last scene, I'm like, and so the same thing with that moment you were just referred to. And weirdly, this that was that felt like one of my riskiest acting attempts ever because I was like, Hollywood doesn't do it like this. Like this is how it is though. It's a husband and a wife in a living room by themselves and something triggers out of fucking nowhere. Yep. And it's raw and it's ugly and it's not Hollywood and it doesn't look it. And so sometimes as a perfectionist and the film lover, I'm like, ah, and you know, the critic, of course, so I really appreciate that because that moment sticks for me sometimes where it's so uncomfortable, but that's what the moment is. It's vulnerable and it's raw. And I think that's why it stands out in my mind because it does it. Take this as an insult because it's not meant that way. It doesn't feel polished. It feels very real. And in that moment. So, um, and I think that when you over polish things, sometimes they can look really pretty, but they lose their impact. And so it's the best most people can do is to try to get it right in between somewhere where it's um, it's still watchable, but it's not yeah. something that's uh, just it. I, those moments are the things that really draw me into a film when I feel. Thank you. And see that. So, yeah, I, I definitely was drawn in by that moment. So the critic in you, it's very uncomfortable. And I'm sure that's because you can see vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt it in that moment. Exactly. And I, and I'd be remiss not to give, Rudy Womack credit our editor and he, he directed second unit for that day. And like, he's one of those guys you just know has your back. So I have to give him full credit because it was so fun editing with him. Um, yeah, it was absolute delight to find everything because we had kind of a unique experience. Our director moved back to Texas during the pandemic. So it was me and Rudy editing and Jordan when he wasn't shooting. Uh, so you know, it was kind of an obscure experience, and but it ended up being perfect because I didn't have as much attachment, mm. you know, because Rick was really and our director was really and I hired him for the emotional sanctity of the movie. And this imagine I did this to anybody else. They told him, you can't touch the visual. And I told my DP, don't talk to the actors. And it, I know. And so, but you know, I've worked on sets where that's not the case. And I was just trying something out. I knew it could be a disaster and we had moments, but it worked so beautifully. Cause in it, I wouldn't, I don't know if it was just the situation, but a hyper-focused Rick into the emotion and the subtlety and the story. 
And Nick, I know he's literally like savant, like he'll just show up and be like, oh yeah, do, 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 do. And then there's the movie. And so, so is, I just. Is he bouncing that off of you, the visual then, as far as the setting up the shots and doing that? And he's not yeah, working with. Jordan and I would talk, I, like I, I interviewed everybody extensively. So it was almost like a reverse process. So Nick, and we'd have meetings. It wasn't like Rick couldn't be like, don't shoot this. But <laughs> it was like, yeah. hey, let's give, because Nick was so effective at shooting action on no money that I was like, if we get slowed down by how it's supposed to be, how it should be, we could lose a day and that would be a literal bankruptcy. Yeah. We never missed a day. We never missed a scene. We pushed stuff to pickups just because of weather and stuff, but it all worked out. And I kind of loved that idea of filming 90% of your movie. And then you can really get specific in your pickups. And that's what we did for stocking fields. We had 90% of the film and we did the scene you just mentioned. We did the scene where I shoot and the shooting range. Yeah. So that was oh, our pickup. That, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense to have those as pickup, though. Um, because coming back to that point with all of that experience afterwards, and you're carrying through these real, the big emotional beats, you're all picking those up later. And oh, that's really smart. I wouldn't have thought of doing that. And then, because it's almost, I've, I was just read this book by an editor and he was talking about, um, you know, when you shoot, it's better to start with the middle of the movie. That mm. when you're scheduling it, because you start in the middle of the movie that way, performance, you haven't found it yet. But if you start with a bad right away or an off performance of where it goes to in the end, if you're shooting sequentially, that's really the ending, sick. or you can bust the beginning of it and you can lose an audience on either one of those, but they're a little more forgiving in the middle. You were yeah, saying. So I thought funny. that was interesting. Yeah, we I won't say we planned it, <laughs> you know, exactly, but it ended up being it worked out. I really, I really am trying to be like. Whatever happens, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. Even when it seems horrendous, dude, this movie I shot during the pandemic, it's called The Wheel. Very, so thrilled. We took it to Toronto. It's on Hulu. Like, just so over the moon about it. But uh, it's a funny story. I think you'll appreciate it. Yeah, please, go ahead. The movie's called The Wheel. It's about, a ultimately, this couple's on a wheel of a pattern, and they end up in a one or a 10 minute one and it's beautiful actors. It's the lead in the movie pray that just came out with Dan Trachtenberg. Oh my God. She is so good. Oh She's yeah. Amazing. And Taylor gray. He yes. is just scorching. And um, like, oh, so and she, and by the way, she has like the most badass name of any actor of all time. So oh, dude, I, come She's on. Really, Amber's awesome. And a uh, total pro. So anyway, we we're uh it's the last day it's the last day we're back in malibu from a grind we're the second production up in covid like an absolute like oh nightmare right yeah a producer molly she like wrote the book on covid initially like just incredible josh who got the whole thing together so trent's eping a show in utah the writer and he can't be on set for his baby like I, it would be like the equivalent of me not being on set for the stocking fields. He gets to show up for the last day where we're doing the Ferris wheel wonder. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, and not just, it doesn't work. It's killing the camera. Our first AD is having a safety meeting and one of the spokes falls off next to her. Like it wouldn't have killed her, but it was just hilarious that she's like, okay, be safe. 
and I look over at Josh and people are freaking out because the actors are like safe, unsafe. Like they're preparing for a 10 minute scene. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Like gut wrenching material too, like John Shanley stuff. And now we're sitting there for like six hours trying to figure out we have this amazing rigor, but we ended up pivoting Josh the whole time. The producer, main producer, just kept it cool. And I really learned there. I was like, as bad as it gets, if everybody's alive, it's all good. And we ended up green screening it on the spot. And it's better because it saved us the sound headache where they would have had to ADR a 10-minute scene. 10-minute ADR. That's mm. It all worked out for the best. Oh, and that's the other thing I want to shout out. For stocking fields, our re-recording mixer, Patrick Sexton. If you have five one surround sound, you are in for a treat. It's I was that was literally sound. the next thing I was going to mention that you gave oh. me a little bit of a workout last night. So yeah, it sounds phenomenal, man. You ha- and that's that's the yeah. other thing. If if one piece of advice that I can give to any young filmmaker, if you have a limited budget, if you have any amount of money, put it. It's it doesn't seem obvious, but it is the thing that can elevate your film probably more than anything else. Oh, dude, it was such an experience working with him. He's such an educator, so patient. But like, you know, we'd watch these scenes and you don't even understand all the breaths they're doing and the footsteps and the this and the and he's putting it behind you. No, no, and- no sure I do because I had steps coming behind me going around and yes, oh, I absolutely. Oh, good. Yeah, it's great. Good, it's- I love it. It's all those little things that you would expect to see in a mid high budget thriller, but you don't expect to see in a small indie film. It's, you know, you know, those, that level of care you don't normally see in these small little films like this. And I think this is that type of film that you can share with people and you don't need to give the, okay, just so you know, this was made on a shoestring budget. This is just yeah. a bunch of friends getting together on a weekend. They had a, an idea. They did a crazy it's out. You know, you don't have to give like the clerk speech ahead of this one. This is something that, and all, that film but there's something that 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 comes across you know that that was just people screwing around it's not slacker it's something this is something that feels like yeah just a a movie that i would have seen i would have clicked on any streaming service and wouldn't have thought twice about it that it was any different than those other ones so yeah no congratulations man you made something that's real real special here and i I definitely enjoyed it and i'm excited for people to start checking it out because i think this is uh this is one that people are it took you respond to it now you get to you get to enjoy it like you were saying you get to oh here thank you so much chris i really appreciate it man what a pleasure chatting with you i hope we get to do it again oh so do i so do i absolutely um when the film is it coming out next week i believe when is your release on this 17 17 so i just kind of the last question man how are you feeling you know you have this got seven year process more or less at this point and you're coming to the finish line you're getting real close here how do you feel about it right now you know in this moment i feel really good it was nice to talk to you it's fun to chat with people because we screened it online and you know uh like back before we finalized the edit and some people really got it and that was like so beautiful so you know i can tell you really get it and so it's an absolute pleasure in this moment. And so overall, it's mixed. I'm a little tired on it, but I'm so grateful. And it has all my love and respect. And I'll cherish it forever because 
I'm already so proud of what we did as artists up there. Like all those actors, all those crew guys, man, I'll never forget that. Well, I also have the wheel popped up in my browser here that I, I'm going to go ahead and add this to, to the queue to check this one out. Cause uh, it yeah. sounds like something that would be right up my alley. I'm definitely excited to check this one out as well. Man. Beautiful. Steve Pink directed it. It's beautiful work. Totally yeah. underrated in my opinion. Really I think, good. uh, Amber Mid Thunder is the real deal, man. She's going to be one of those people that's going to be a household name before the, oh, you know, uh, be- be- before we hit 25. I think it's just it, uh, excited to check that one out. She's incredible, man. All right, Chris. Well, I awesome. appreciate you, brother. Thank you, sir. Take care, man. Have a good one. Okay. Time enough to figure you out. Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
Boys Crack.